All right, so this is the 11th episode of On That Note. Um, I am here today with Courtney Swain and Ben Levin from Bent Knee. They are just fresh off the stage over at the Crescent Ballroom. <laughs> they are on tour. Um, and pineapples. <laughs> Dirty. Um, I am here to talk to them about their amazing um, musicianship. Um, so where I would like to start is um, on the album that you guys put out, Land Animal, it's very clear that you guys put a lot of detail into tone and whether it's vocal tone, synth tones, guitar tones. Um, and I was curious, did you guys during the course of your musical education feel as if you got good instruction about tone and how to create different tones to have different effects? Well, mostly no. Mm -hmm. um, I got... I got one really good tip about tone. One person said what makes a professional guitarist is tone and time. Mm -hmm. So it's basically that tone matters and you want don't be too bashful about being loud. And I think I failed mostly at, at both of those for the longest time. I mean, even maybe even still with the volume thing. Um, but I had a Boss GT8 pedal with uh, an Ibanez jam and uh, I didn't own my own amp for mo still mo the majority of the time I've been playing, and the two just didn't work together because the gem by itself didn't really sound good, clean, just straight in. It just didn't didn't it needed effects, and then the effects I was using, it was like I didn't know what I didn't know, and uh, they just they were like good for what they were, but they weren't like what I have now, which is I mean the main difference between what I have now and what I had then is now. From mixing albums and stuff, I know like where the get what the guitar could be that it wasn't, um, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I just did a bad job. <laughs> um, that was a huge weakness. Yeah, yeah, working on it. I think I'm good now. Pretty good now. I get compliments from sound people. That's how you know it's legit. Yeah. Uh, what about you vocally, Courtney? Yeah, very very little. Yeah, I don't think I. I actually spend a lot of time teaching that myself now, mm -hmm. um, because I think, um, yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting part of the voice to experiment, and uh, I think it's a good thing to start early before you sort of like get comfortable with like a certain thing, um, mm -hmm. and then I think it's also a really good way to a good way to sort of put away the sensitivity and the vulnerability that you encounter a lot with singing mm -hmm. where you're sort of like uh, where you're forced to treat it more like an instrument than um, than you and how you convey yourself um, yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense why do you guys think that it's not something that's covered in curriculums because it's obviously very important and has a huge impact on the like emotional effect of your music or your composition why do you think it's something that's left out for guitar it's very ephemeral um you can take a chalkboard and teach someone theory mm -hmm. so you can have a group of people silently with pens learn theory pretty well um and then with the right assignment apply it and and integrate it into their music i mean i, I think you can you could theoretically have an instrument-free theory class and have people get really musical results. Ideally, there would be instruments, but you could. So you can set up a whole academic system around that with four semesters that logically lead into each other. With tone, it's like your opinion, my opinion. And 
I think the best way to teach it would have people be to have people mix whole bands, and then they see how each instrument best fits together, and then you can make your tone decisions based on not like how does a guitar sound at its best, but how does a guitar fit at its best? Because there's never unless you're playing solo, there isn't really a con like a a vacuum seal around the guitar. It's, it's like how does it fit when I play like this against the keyboards and the violin? Those are two things that really conflict with it. So it's just hard to build a curriculum around that. And every single band um, instrumentation will need a different thing. So it's, you know, you might as well learn to mix. Mm -hmm. So there's whole majors for that. I guess, the, yeah, like the, that would be the mixing, the mixing major, the production major would be the tone major. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that and every, there's like a lot of categories that we work in in musical education with you know, the top ones being like pitch, intonation, rhythm, you know, timbre, phrasing, all that stuff. And I think different instruments have different focal points. Like, you know, like you have to start with something, you know, drums, you obviously start with rhythm. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, and I feel like for a lot of things, tone comes later. Uh, my two guesses would be one, because you have to develop a palette uh, of, mm -hmm. you know, like, I think it's hard if you, when you're focusing on so many other things, you know, like when you teach, it, it's really, I've, I've learned that it's really inefficient to, if someone plays something, to be like, okay, here are the five things you, you should try. You know, mm -hmm. you should just be like, okay, try this. Here's one thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you can't be like, all right, your rhythm was sloppy, your intonation was bad, and your tone, <laughs> is just too much. <laughs> so you don't get to tone. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the, the other reason is that um, I think tone is more malleable than rhythm. Uh, like, you know, when you think about, um, like, even if you're playing, like, a standard uh, or a, a jazz standard or like or even whatever you're you're playing uh, if you're playing like a for you know like a just a standard rock beat or whatever um, <clears throat> depending on who you're playing with and what the needs of the ensemble are if you're like the tone you want to end up is is, is very different and mm -hmm. I think this goes in hand in hand with what Ben was saying but like sometimes the best guitar tone is not the best sound that you hear on its own. Like, mm -hmm. I'm always surprised when I hear like a metal bassist, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. like uh, Liam Wilson from Dillinger, uh, or even um, um, like Connor from Haken, or um, Simon from, from Leprous, who, who we're on tour with. The, the bass sounds ridiculous on its own. It's like, jump, jump, you know, like, <laughs> it just sounds like there's this huge low end, and then there's this crazy high end that sounds like you're just like throwing a bag of change, like, you know, chung, 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 like that. Um, but, and it sounds all, it doesn't sound awful, it sounds weird on its own, mm -hmm. but that's like the tone that works in the ensemble. In the ensemble. Mm -hmm. and, but you wouldn't want to like go to every bass class and be like, you know, here's the tone, like, that would be awful, you know? <laughs> that's yeah. true. Um, cool, and then if you want to grab those transcriptions, I was going to have a couple of questions from them. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, this is cool, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I can play the Sibelius file too, because you can hear these cool. sounds. Um, but uh, one of the things that was, was really interesting to me is obviously the synthesizer, or uh, I'm not sure exactly what instrument, I know on some of your live versions, Chris plays it on the like pizzicato mm -hmm. on, the, on the violin. True. Um, but that, that pattern obviously is sort of in a separate time signature or is free flowing over the time signature, over the bar. Um, and how did that come about? And, and was that, where in the writing process did that occur? I'm always curious about the order of things. So when you have something that's in quintuplets, <laughs> uh, when you have complicated stuff, mm -hmm. generally it's helpful to have something simple against okay. it. So I think that was a philosophy that was um, 
continuous throughout Land Animal. Of, we were listening a lot to this artist, Nick Barch, from Switzerland, who um, builds these rhythmscapes of threes and fives and sevens and all this stuff, but it doesn't sound like math. It doesn't sound like um, carefully plotted, objective calculations that play themselves out. It sounds like something that appeals very deeply and gets you to move and, and just feels right. Um, and that's because of the balance and the structure to it. So that particular part, ding, da da ding, da, da da ding, da, da da ding, da. It's just nice to have something simple and melodic that repeats. And then the quintuplet, da 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 The quarter note at the end of that is like the backbeat. And so just the relationship of the ding, da 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 with that backbeat is sort of the... Um, the foundation of that rhythm. Uh, so so it, 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 there was no, I think it probably came right after the drum part. Okay. It was like the, probably the second thing that came in. Was the drum part the first thing that came out of this? Yeah, song? like. Yeah, probably improvising the kick on MIDI. I think that's what happened there. And then, ding, da, da, ding, ding. It's probably, yeah, probably the second thing that happened. <laughs> I remember that pretty well, actually, that moment. Um, and then, yeah. Corey, when you when you come in, um, you come in with this this triplet rhythm over a quintuplet hi hat thing. Um, but what's interesting is like something about the human voice is somewhat detached from rhythm. In that, like, if that was played on a guitar, if that melody was played on a guitar or a keyboard or something, that three against five would be very like invasive, right. like Someone in your face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what do you think it is about the human voice that like we don't uh, like think of we don't feel rhythm in the same kind of like super gritted way or whatever maybe I think it depends on the aesthetic but for me um, like I think about phrasing a lot like I, I, I don't want to end up sounding like someone could lift me up you know mm -hmm. always a lot of times I'm thinking about like the bigger phrase um, and as a vocalist, something that I've struggled with is that I'm really impatient. Um, so for a long time, I tended to sort of ride on the, the front side of the beat. <clears throat> and it's not very helpful. Um, and, uh, and so I think, you know, right around like this album, I was thinking a lot about sort of laying back. And especially because the rest of the ensemble is playing so mechanically in mm -hmm. this context, I think that vocal line works uh, more out than in. Um, it sort of is like provides a contrast in the same way that the you know the synthesizer is providing like a, a, a cyclical contrast to the you know like the more sort of spastic um, like rhythm section. Because sometimes like when you do go to that that high D towards the end of the of the verse, mm -hmm. um, you are you're it's landing in a different spot rhythmically because of the odd time behind it. Yeah. Um, and is it just something where you're thinking purely melodically and phrasing, or are you actually ever kind of sitting down and being like, all right, even though this lines up, or I want this to line up in a different spot, or it does line up in a different spot, or is that ever a thought? Uh, not, well, this is actually most of Ben's writing here. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really great uh, in hindsight, but at, at the time he had to like really pinch and, pinch and push me to, to sing it, but I, I do think it's really cool how it um, offsets. I think you probably have a better idea there. 
is kind of improvising, singing over it. Because, mm-hmm. like, usually with vocals, I used to write them out. I mean, generally, there's a di- for every song, there's a different approach yeah. to vocals in this band. Uh, so this isn't, like, the r- like this isn't how vocal parts come to be in Bentley. But in Ben Levin group before, um, I would, back in, like, 2010, I would write out rhythms, and then I would listen to them in finale so many times, and then I'd put lyrics to those. And I hate that sound now. Like, I don't like the sound of, like, Usually I just don't like that. I And so the way I like to come up with vocal melodies now is to improvise singing over things. Or just to start with the vocal melody over, like, pads. Because the, the voice isn't just, um, like, it's not like other instruments. The notes aren't really notes their um, uh, gestures of humanity you know you're dealing with a person talking to you through through melody and that doesn't register the way notes on a marimba do so like trying to even find parallels between them is um, more of an experiment than like the thing you should start with necessarily and so I, I yeah like so that this would have happened from just this groove with the synth part and singing over it while holding down the chords that end up forming, mm-hmm. that, that, that ends up forming in the, in the keyboard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's probably how it. I think it's also a stylistic thing where I think that's the reason it's pop music and it's not like contemporary classical in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the attitude of the, of the vocal there. Um, just, yeah, I, th- I think that's like a. I don't know if there's like a, you know, a really distinct line between pop and what's not pop, but I feel like that, that vocal line is like what really pushes it into that pop realm. There's a lot of music that focuses on the scaffolding. It's like, if we take these concepts and put them together, what music will we get? And that often is the way that um, contemporary classical is born. It's um, the scaffolding and then you build on top of it. And I think with pop music, it's uh, you're trying to very clearly communicate some vocal uh, gesture mm-hmm. and then support it, but just stereotypically speaking. So. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, and then the kind of the synth pad, which actually was the very last thing I heard, I had like everything else mapped out, and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a there's pad more. in the background. <laughs> um, at what point did that did that come into the composition, where it's really succinctly outlining those chords? Probably while I was singing the, it would have probably been like, just like gibberish <laughs> while holding chords down. It's probably what happened. Got it. And there's an interesting point, like over that C <laughs> harmony, there's no, no synth pad happens over that C um, before it goes back to that. Was there any, was it some sort of, you know, like national treasure, like uh, meaning behind that? Or was it, I was curious about that. Uh, national was treasure. Out. <laughs> What's national treasure? Uh, it's a <laughs> movie with Nicholas Cage. Oh. Where he finds clues and everything. Oh. Yeah. Everything means something. Yeah. Like, like the, kind of like the, the Da Vinci Code sort of, oh, yeah. Every, everything is a conspiracy. Um, I think originally the synthpad played through. Um, mm. It was like a da, Mm-hmm. So it was holding through, but um, I felt like I couldn't find. I felt like it, it served the the song, the rhythms better when 
it was drier in those parts. So when this when it's cutting out, mm -hmm. it it just highlights the the part a little better. Um, and when it was holding through, it was just like kind of it was just too much information, too much okay. happening. So I felt like when it was cutting, it was kind of giving this sort of on off kind of kind of feel um like to me this song feels like a kind of like a um, like electrical circuit sort of like turning on and off you know so like if you're thinking yeah. of like you know it's kind of like a uh watching like you know there's like crazy dominoes where you know it's like going around and these things happen and you know like a kind of channel something so it's just the whole thing sounds feels like a big machine that's kind of like turning on and off you know and you're like drawn to these like different places but i think ultimately um like I feel like this took this song took a really long time to get under like our fingers, um, and I think it was because it's easy to get caught up on the technicality of it mm -hmm. um, in a way, and and it took us a long time to just to just like internalize it to the point where we could we were just kind of like not thinking about it, um, and by a long time I feel like it took us like a couple of years. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the album hasn't been out that long. Well, it, it's, <laughs> it's, I still think we could play it better. Yeah. Yeah. It. it to me, it's supposed to be a broken beat, like in hip hop, with a nice poppy hook on top of it. Mm -hmm. But it's like a very different approach to that effect. That ultimately there aren't a lot of analogies for it, so we don't. I don't think we intuitively own this song no. the way we own other ones, where no. we just know what it should be. Well, I think like. The moment you start thinking about the rhythm, it falls apart. Uh, so now we've learned to play it without thinking about it, but mm. it's not accurate. Right. So it's like that sort of like, mm -hmm. you know, There's we the, never... The catch-22. Right, yeah. yeah. We never learned to play it like completely fluently uh, mm. in a way where we're just not thinking about it. It's just coming out. The recording's quantized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We went, we don't play quantized. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Same thing with Terror Bird, our metric modulation in the first verse and like later in the song is supposed to be a quintuplet modulation, but now we do it to sextuplets because it's easier. Mm -hmm. This is what ended up happening. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all a sham. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> a choice, it just sort of like became that. It's like, oh, this, this feels right. Yeah. <laughs> we never learned how the, the five feels right. Yeah. Five's hard. That's cool. Um, it was cool that you did this. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, and I was, yeah, very happy to. It was an educational kind of experience as well, mm -hmm. as you could imagine. Um, so it's like, because you guys are so technically proficient, you guys have uh -huh. so much training and so much knowledge, uh -huh. um, where do you ever struggle with restraint and like what kinds of things do you do to safeguard against that or like what kinds of conversations do you have around that? Mm, I think I think Courtney and I struggle with restraint more than say Vince and Jessica. I mean Courtney has a lot of pretty proggy ideas <laughs> and I have a lot of pretty proggy ideas. And they kinda come out as like things like that Phil da 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 and sometimes it's good. Mm -hmm. Like like we have this new song uh, where Courtney did a lot of the um, like el elaborating on the initial seed where it goes like there's nothing if you, if you plot it out it doesn't really repeat mm -hmm. yeah, the other day I was thinking about it when we were playing and I was like mm -hmm. what are people feeling like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such a strange section yeah. you know like to me 
think it's like I think yeah. what happens is like in our heads we're just like oh yeah you know like this is like clearly you know oh I hear it you know and then and then we don't feel it until later we're like yeah kind of how Danny is yeah. like we're like that knee oh whatever, sure, you know? whatever. And, then, yeah. and then we're like oh that is a really strange name <laughs> yeah and, and like that particular example works but then other times we'll be like it just doesn't mm-hmm. and that's when Vince become Vince I would say Vince and Jessica so everyone's restrained in different ways and not restrained in different ways like Chris is very restrained I think with um, keeping orchestration simple um, but then he's less restrained with ambience he'll use a lot more reverb um, and tail Mm -hmm. and make things big yeah Uh, they'll be simple uh, and big and then you have Jessica where um, I think generally, I think maybe she writes the simplest things. Uh, sometimes Vince is a hardcore minimalist, maybe even more than her. Uh, Gavin, it, not, depending on how sleepy he is, he <laughs> might do like he might be like, "I'm just gonna go doom, da, doom, doom," for like the whole song. But then other times he's like, you know yeah so it's hard to like you know put everyone in a box but the answer is yes mm-hmm. to <laughs> we have a hard time with it and that's why we're a team of six people and not one despot yes yeah <laughs> i also do like the, the the image of courtney writing something and then like somewhere late in the process you should just realize oh there is an audience somewhere yeah. <laughs> like, yes, the audience does exist after all right. um and then moving away from uh, some more of the compositional questions um one thing that i've noticed about you guys and just the band in general um is obviously again mentioning you guys are, are very well educated you guys have a very strong technical and um theoretical background um, but it seems like more so than other bands that I've seen, you guys are really um, into learning how to be creative and learning, like honing that kind of as a separate skill. Um, so what kinds of things do you do in order to learn creativity kind of, or to push yourself in that direction? And what would you recommend that other people maybe try? Hmm. Um, that's a really interesting question. Mm, I feel like, Musically speaking, um, just just listening to stuff that's out of your comfort zone, um, I think is really important. Um, recently, I've been uh, making a playlist where I trade songs with other people, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's it's been really really cool. And and there's so many lists, you know, if you just go and look, like uh, Chris, our our violinist Chris Baum. Uh, every year goes and listens to NPR's, you know, like top 100 albums from the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did a little bit of that this year and there was so much that I missed. That I was just like, what in the world? It was mm-hmm. like, so cool. Um, and yeah, I think that's really important. And and also sort of uh, as as artists in general, I think it's, I've been getting a lot recently personally out of out of um just da- like ex- like not even I don't want to say dabbling or experimenting or just doing visual art you know mm-hmm. and, and just sort of sort of having a different perspective and, and and sucking at it and then just kind of like being like okay you know that experience I think also 
uh, connects in a way to your creative brain. Um, maybe not like tangibly, where you're, you know, like not necessarily that, oh, you know, like my, my drawing of, of the, this tree inspired me to write this song so much as like I think it just kind of like uh, sometimes when you're stuck, it keeps you moving mm-hmm. um, in like a different direction. Yeah, I think creativity is a ecosystem. It's not like, oh, I want to be good at music, so I'll specifically work on music. It's more like, I want to be good at problem solving. I want to be good at flexibility. I want to be good at fighting writer's block. And those skills come from a whole ecosystem of creative activities. So like, when you spend some time fiddling at a piano and then drawing and making jokes, having stimulating conversation that's about something you never talked about before like all these things um warm you up so then when it's time to make whatever it is you're like on purpose making like a song you uh you have a an angle of a point of entry of just like well you know i heard some guy at a gas station yesterday say um if if i were really lucky i wouldn't have any luck at all and I was open to hear that and think really hard about what that could have meant in his story and I thought of a whole bunch of shit but that's just because I'm like warmed up mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that happens more and more and more when you're warmed up like so I think a lot of people make this mistake they're like I'm a composer and then it's time to compose mm-hmm. I feel like you're warming up all week for that moment you're warming up so yeah you just have a journal draw tell jokes I think jokes are really important because mm-hmm. it's that's like the hardest thing for me at least for problem for like improv trying to get people to laugh it's so hard actually anyway yeah it all helps it all kind of yeah got it um, and then last question I kind of have is like if you guys um, look back like what is one thing um, you would have changed about your musical education or one thing maybe that you uh, wish you had learned earlier obviously um, you know keeping in mind that learning everything occurs at its own rate and obviously mm-hmm. there's that progress but um, if you could if you could kind of go back and tell younger you one thing or like really espouse one kind of lesson what would it be well I I have a douchey answer what is that um Being a genius doesn't uh, help you. Okay. Um, so I thought I was a genius, and I still think that, and it's just something I think. Mm-hmm. I've always thought it. Um, and it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong, it's very unhelpful mm-hmm. to believe you are, and it's unhelpful to believe you aren't. Um, people have genius moments so you could say lots of people way more than you'd think are genius or you have untapped genius um, but it's a paradigm that is that is unhealthy and unuseful um, so what's better is to be like if you do think you're a genius be like you realize a lot of genius goes to waste so you'd better take some constructive criticism and not look at other people as inferior and like what do they know but get ready to get ready to like really genuinely try someone else's idea I could have used that earlier I definitely have that now I'm like 
super I've been super like anti that thought process I think it would be really really good for Kanye West I think he'd be a little bit like happier I feel like I really feel for him and Elon Musk right now I think they're the same guy like where they're they don't fit into society they've done something really good that a lot of people love and they don't know what the heck's going on and they're just flushed I don't feel bad for them that they're rich but like who but being rich doesn't mean you're happy yeah whatever you get the idea I do get the idea I'm not like them though (laughs) (laughs) they're better (laughs) Uh, what about you you're better in a different way right it's it's useless thought you know it's like not it's it's hard it's very poisonous the words around it aren't good the social reaction to it isn't good it's Mm -hmm. it's very unhealthy yeah for me I think um I mean, this is musical and also uh, a lot about me as, as a person, too. Mm-hmm. But I wish I had learned to <clears throat> socialize and to have fun more in music. Um, like, for me, the, for the longest time, like, um, I think I was really latent to recognize that, to really, like, accept that I really wanted to do music. I, it was just always kind of, like this background thing where, you know, I think I kind of, for a long time, I thought I wanted to be like a, like an archaeologist or even a music historian, but I didn't really think about like, you know, music, you know, I wanted to be in music, but I didn't think that like, I wanted to do music or I didn't think it was good enough. Um, and then I went to, from that to like a hard pivot to, you know, like music as, like a a lifestyle and as like a a my my career in my profession Mm -hmm. and uh you know like very recently i i've just come to realize that i have a terrible relationship with music i just you know i'm i'm not capable like i i envy ben ben very much in this where um i don't have a relationship with music where uh i am like excited to just sit down and like see what comes up you know like um, I, I'm just realizing I'm having this writer's block because um, like I've painted myself into this corner where everything I write has to be profound you know mm-hmm. and, I, and I know all the if I, if I were you know not myself and if I was talking to myself I know all the things that I would say like you know like oh you know write something or you know mm-hmm. like write something instrumental or you know try something else or you know learn modular synthesis and these are all things that you know <laughs> I want to do but I just don't don't like it's not a priority in my life and I, and I think that's mm-hmm. up um, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to fix that like I, mean, I came to this realization because we were having a really rough uh, time at one point uh, when we were writing uh, the, the current album we're working on where we were working on it without Gavin and we kind of got to this point where we had enough songs but we couldn't finish anything because we didn't have drums and we were talking about like doing all this improvisation and stuff and I just had to kind of come to terms or I kind of came head to head with this thing where I've never really liked improvising like I've never liked sitting in drum circles I've never liked being in a room and doing improv I get really anxious and I get really uncomfortable um, and I was just kind of like I sort of was chalking that up to, to my, I guess, my over-educatedness in music mm-hmm. where I'm just like, you know, this all makes sense to me and I'm seeing it, but it was sort of like, um, uh, you know, my life, like something that I've worked on over the last couple of years is to be to be more grateful for the things I have. Um, I, I just noticed myself being like a magpie where I was just like, you know, but this could be better, but this could be better, but this could be better. And, um, 
and I think that kind of carries over to uh, my musicality where I don't know how to just like sit somewhere uh, and just just enjoy the music for what it's worth without recording it you know it doesn't just like just making music for the sake of making music that's just something I'm terrible at mm -hmm. um, and that's something I wish was part of my um, musical sort of development earlier on I like what you said about how you know all the things you would tell yourself, but it's different yeah. to do it. Because that's yeah. something teachers should think about. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between telling people the right thing and like guiding them without telling them what they're going to do. Guiding them through the motion so they embody the thing. Yeah. That's something I'm thinking about. It's a limitation. So yeah, if you're going to teach composition or something, you should have them writing every week you know, like, instead of like telling them. Here's how you should write yeah. every week. That's yeah. the, the tone issue. Yeah. I think if you were teaching tone, it, it, you wouldn't want to tell people, you know, you need your treble mm -hmm. to be here and your bass to be yeah, there. Yeah, it's like, that, you know, next time you come in, come in with a totally different tone, you know? Like, <laughs> like I want it to sound different, but I want you to like it, you know? Mm -hmm. Something like that. Like, that's that's way more fruitful than, uh, like, mm -hmm. like assigning yeah. a tone. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, and then, do you guys want to talk anything about the stuff you got coming up to my, you know, 21 subscribers? Some plugs? Yeah, yeah. Do some, some plugs? plugs. Yeah. Plugs. Yeah. Plugs. yeah. Plugs. So you're, this is for YouTube? Yes. Um, YouTube! So, uh, well, I wasn't thinking of plugs, I was just thinking <laughs> of, like, <laughs> subscribership stuff. I think this is very good that you're... No, I mean like for your guys. I know. I'm thinking yeah. of how I can yeah, plug like, you. Now oh, I'm thinking oh, about you. Well, you're on. That's you're plugging me. Well, <laughs> I want to say that. Thank you for subscribing. <laughs> Thank you for subscribing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I don't like doing interviews, but then I was like, oh yeah, last time we talked to Jacob, his questions were so thoughtful. Like, I don't enjoy a lot of interviews. This is nice. This is nice. I've never been handed no. a score, man. Um, yeah, and uh, congratulations on, on getting to the 11th episode. That's, <laughs> yes. that's a lot yeah, of work. Yeah, that's oh, a lot of work. To keep yeah. going into 11 is a lot. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Um, but when do you guys get the next album? You guys are working on the next album. You yeah. said you're recording it in December. Do you yeah. guys have an idea of when it might be released? Next You're on year, tour now, probably. so I don't know if this will get edited by the end of the tour, but mm -hmm. if you get like the last days, you should definitely go see them. Yeah. Um, but and do you guys have any solo tours coming up or any album information? Also, subscribe um, to Ben's YouTube channel. I'm going <laughs> to, I put out, yeah, definitely. I, I put out an album every year on my own for sure. Um, that's something I do sort of like as a ritual. Um, <laughs> It makes Which me happy. sacrifice. Yeah. Yes, yes, because yes, it is a sacrifice because it will never, or well, not never, but probably will not. I will not get the full well, love so it deserves. Shed your skin. Yeah, I gotta shed my skin. Yeah. Exactly. It won't get a PR campaign. It won't get a ton of music videos necessarily. Maybe it will, but it it, it will. You've it been won't. animating a lot. So. Yeah, I, that's the thing. It's a new outlet, but yeah. So yeah, I do that. I I have no plugs. I just want to say, like, it's very good that you're doing this. I'm just like, I hope. I just hope you keep it up because um, on YouTube things just it's old after a week. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, when you pass a certain threshold, people then go back to your old stuff mm -hmm. and. 
and if you've been trying your best the whole time and like asking the kinds of questions you ask and these kinds of insights super useful you have my permission to post this uh-huh. as a PDF I don't I think you need someone's permission maybe to get the audio to play in your video oh, but yeah, we can yeah, help you with that yeah. um, oh I do want to say I think the robots might yeah. Well, it's easy usually just to put a link and be like, go listen to it. And right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the one thing you're missing in this transcription that's sort of important yeah. is um, the backbeat. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Vince has a has a uh, snare sample. Uh-huh. So it's going to. Ga, 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 two. It's just always there. Always on the two and four? Yeah, it would just be like a snare. Or clap. Good to know. I'll go chew out my students for not noticing. It's very subtle, but it kind of gives it like this lift. It kind of like justifies the quirkiness of the group because it's so stable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like if I were singing this song as just the groove, it would really be boom, 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 but it, but it, boom, 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 but it, but it, but it, but it, boom, boom. Yeah, see, we don't even need the music. You guys just do it all the Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, man, I love all this paper. Cooling me off. Uh, oh, well, yeah. thank you very much, both of you, for joining, and thank you for you know making music and teaching people music. It's all Same hopefully deals. very important. Thanks. <laughs>